Before I open the Word of God, can you go with me to, to the place where I can speak to the Lord? Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you. Thank you so much that we can open your Word and, and say, Father, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Right now, I'd like to ask for you to open my mind that what I put on paper won't supersede what your spirit has to say. Your people are waiting, Father. You have given to us the bread of life. Now may that bread be our nourishment that we may recognize the greatest gift ever given through the person of your precious Son. So come now, Holy Spirit, and find fertile soil in the hearts of those who are listening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If I give a message to this sermon, it will be, Hitherto has the Lord helped us. Hitherto has the Lord helped us. If I could narrow that down, it could be, Thus far the Lord has helped us. God has been with us. Thus far. It was a very interesting time in the congregation of Israel. The ark had been away from them for 21 years. And because they didn't have possession of the ark, they were terrified. They knew the blessing in having the ark. God's presence was among them. And the army of the Philistines and the Ashtoreths, they were all, the, the strange gods were were invoking in the hearts of the enemies of Israel this desire to stamp them out. And they were very afraid because they didn't have the ark among them. And they cried out to Samuel saying, what should we do? And in 1 Samuel, I'm going to read verses 3 to 6 in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Samuel gave instruction to Israel that I'd like you to pay particular attention to today. Because I believe that if we plan on having anything successful about our future, the instruction that Samuel gave to Israel is instruction that God has given to us today. Verse 3 of 1 Samuel 7, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If, I'll pause there, if, I said this during the week, God is an if God, but he's not an iffy God. When we comply with his ifs, God will follow through on his promises. We don't serve an iffy God, but we do serve an if God. Right, Jason? God says, if, if my people, if you love me, if, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the ashtoreths from among you, the idols and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve him only. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths, and serve the Lord only. You want to have success in 21? Make it your aim to serve the Lord only. Now we live in a world of distractions, and those distractions are going to be there. 
But we've got to carve out a place in our lives that belong to God only, that nothing is allowed to hinder. I was speaking to a pastor a few weeks ago, and uh, I was invited to speak in New York, so I did so through one of the sermons that I preached here. He just chose from the library of sermons, Mike, that are on our website, and he said, I'd like you to speak. And he said, well, tell me something about you. He said, I've been watching you for a while, but let me know something about you. This is about personal ministries. How does that impact your life? And I said, well, my wife and I have devotions every day. We read our Bibles every day. At least we try our best to do so. Sometimes the world interrupts and we just get in a short devotional. But I said on Sundays, we sit down at the table right in our kitchen and we sit, open the doors, let the breeze of God's atmosphere come in and we read our Bibles. Sometimes we're there for about an hour and a half, reading and highlighting our Bibles together. So God often speaks to us clearly at those times. And he said to me, you read your Bibles together? I said, yeah, together. He said, all the time? I said, all the time. He said, wow, I'm going to try to emulate that. And I was encouraged to know that I could encourage another pastor to read his Bible together with his wife. And I'm of the opinion that as husbands and wives, if you read your Bible together, you'll find a togetherness that only God can create. Young people, if you read your Bible with you and God, you'll find a communion that only you and God can share. If you're single, if you just invite the Lord into your place and you carve out a time that you say, this belongs to the Lord and no one else, God will meet you there and you'll find that it's you and him only. So they serve the Lord only. So Samuel said to them, gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. So there they were at Mizpah and the opposing armies of the Philistines heard they were camping at Mizpah. And they said, this is a great time to attack. Let's get them while they're praying. Have you ever felt the enemy trying to attack you while you're praying? <laughs> while you're trying to get into it with you and God, you're fighting in your thoughts to keep focused on the Lord. The pastor was sharing with us at um, one of our meetings, uh, at the pastor's meetings a few years ago, and he said, I decided that I'm going to have an active prayer life with just me and the Lord. So since there were so many distractions at home, I said, I'm going to go to the church, go to the sanctuary, go into the building where I worship every Sabbath, and have a Wednesday night prayer meeting. I'm going to go there and just have a time of prayer with God. There, I can have at least an hour. I know I won't be distracted. He said, I was sleeping in five minutes. <laughs> I found myself sleeping in five minutes in God's house, and I went there to pray undistracted. When I caught myself, I woke up, he said. And I asked God to keep me awake, and I was sleeping again within five minutes. And I thought, wow, the battle of the mind to get our minds to the place where God can come in. And you know, if you've tried to pray for any length of time, sometimes the things of the world are running parallel to your thoughts and sometimes bumping you like bumper cars to, to gain superiority over your time with God. But I want to tell you, if you stay in there and you focus and you just lock it out, 
And I've had so many occasions where it got so sweet in our prayer together. We were praying together. And we opened our eyes only to see that we were both filled with tears because we knew at what point in that prayer God stepped in and he says, I'm here. And I want to tell you, the Philistines heard that Israel, look at verse 7 to 12. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb, that is a young lamb, that means a nursing lamb, and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel. And the Bible says, and the Lord answered him. I want to just point out something that was in that passage. He took the whole lamb. How much of the lamb? The whole thing. When you offer anything to God, don't give him a partial offering. Give him the whole thing. That's why he says, serve the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. If you're going to carve out time, give God all that time. If you, got to turn off, if you have to turn off your cell phone and the television and unplug the phone, do it so that it will be uninterrupted. Give God the whole thing. And when he did that, the Bible says the Lord answered him. Now, as Samuel, verse 10, was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. And I love this. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. Can God fight? <laughs> Does God know how to fight? Man, uh, he doesn't have to lift a finger. He just turns on sound effects. He does that. That's what the Lord did for the four leprous men that they were going into the camp of the Syrians. The Bible says the Lord allowed them to hear the sounds of chariots and horses and trumpets. And it was only four leprous men. And God said, I'll turn up the sound effects. And they thought that they were about to be overrun and they ran away and left everything, their food, their tents, their clothing, their, their, their money. And these four leprous men, God made four leprous men sound like an entire infantry. That's what God can do for us. As frail as we are, God can turn on sound effects and chase the enemy away. The battle belongs to the Lord. What do you say? And it says in verse 11, And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines. God gives you courage to chase your enemies away and drove them back as far as below Beth Car. And this is the crux. Verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Can you say, thus far, the Lord has helped us? In 2020, we are still here because what? Thus far, the Lord has helped us. We've had our days when there was no one in the congregation. The church was closed and it was just Mike, my wife, and a few other people here. And I was preaching to the camera. There was nobody here. And then the time came for the doors to open again. And we had a scare and we closed the doors again. And then we opened them again. We had a scare and closed the doors again. But thus far, the Lord has helped us. And we are here today. 
So what I'm going to encourage you to do is, as you trust God to look into 2020, somehow in your spiritual life, determine to put a stone between 2020 and 2021 and say, thus far, this stone is a reminder of what God has brought us through. A startling statistic. Last night I brought up a website. You know, there's everything that you can find on the website. I, I brought up a, a live counter that continues to move, Joe, showing us how many people are born and how many people died. And as of yesterday, 138,000 people died in the United States. Not of, in the world, sorry. Not of COVID, but just died. 138,000. And when you begin, sorry, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. That was in the United States. When you begin to add up, this blew me away. 55 million people died this year in the world, but 132 million were born this year. The population of the world thus far has increased by 77 million just in 2020. And here we are, and I looked at that counter, and it was going by like a gas tank. People dying, people being born, people dying, people being born, people dying, people being born. And I looked at my wife, and we looked at our family on the, on the, on the Zoom tube, and I said, and all those numbers went by, and we're not in any of those statistics. God, to God be the glory. Can you all say amen? To God be, you're still here. You are not a statistic. But the sad reality is we've lost some members this year. Just laid, Matthew lost his battle with cancer last week. Jim Petz. Early this year, Francis Clark. And then uh, John Hauser. And then Molly. And uh, Joyce Bradley. That's just the ones that are near to what there's been. Larry lost so many relatives that are not necessarily right here, a part of our congregation. And some of you have lost loved ones in your family. But God has seen fit to allow us to come to December 12th. Thus far has the Lord helped us. But I want to say to you, as the wise man said, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 9, he gives us a picture of what God sees. And he says, guys, don't get caught off guard because he says, that which has been is what will be. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9 that which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything new under the sun, Pastor Turner? Nothing new under the sun. Last night at the end of our worship, and I'll refer to Pastor Turner on this, we had a hundred-year-old man, a part of our Zoom worship last night, Angie's cousin's father, hundred years old. And while they were all bantering over whether or not to take the vaccine, they were, I'm not taking it, you take I'm not taking it, there's population control. They were all getting all confused. He said, excuse me, excuse me, 100 years old. He says, why is no one talking about God's word? And I said, thank you, thank you, elder, thank you, brother McHugh. He said, let's look at God's word. And I said, I've been trying to get their attention. It took a man who's been around when he ended that night and last night he prayed, what a clear mind and clear prayer. And he said, brethren, I just want you to tell, I just want to tell you from a hundred year old man's perspective, I didn't believe I could live to see the day when we could communicate like this. God has led us wonderfully. The last time the world was in this quandary 
strangely and ironically enough, Pastor Turner, was a hundred years ago. The pandemic that lasted from 1918 to 1920, it was a pandemic that was an unusually deadly influenza that caused, was caused by the H1N1 influenza A virus. That's the scientific categorization. Lasting from February 1918 to April 1920, it infected 500 million people, about a third of the world's population at the time, in four successive waves. Now, we're entering into our second wave, according to what they say. And during that time, World War I, many soldiers returned home from the battlefields, and they began infecting the population in their cities, in their communities, in their neighborhoods. But it was during World War I, and Spain was a neutral country. However, because of the war in America, not much was being reported in the media. So the first ones to hit the media with this influenza was in Spain, where King Alfonso XIII was gravely ill. And because the Spanish reported it first, it was called the Spanish flu. That's why it was called the Spanish flu. That's terrible, isn't it? The fact of the matter is, according to American statistics, it first showed up in Kansas, then in New York, then in North Carolina. But in Senegal, Africa, they called it Hajima, the Brazilian flu. But in Brazil, they called it the German flu. In Poland, they called it the Bolsheviks disease. So wherever the country was, they gave it their own specific categorization. But nothing was new. What we're doing today is what they did then. In Seattle, there were pictures of the police officers wearing masks. The same style of masks we're wearing today, they were wearing from 1918 to 1920. In Philadelphia, there was an uprising, and they decided, we're going to have a march, we're going to have a protest to go ahead and publicly protest in the streets how angry we are that our politicians are doing nothing about this virus because of that protest a thousand people died in over a week. <laughs> they clustered together to protest, ignoring the virus, and a thousand people died in over a week. Another 200,000 became sick in the following month. Not long after that, they began to close the saloons. What do we call them today? The bars and the movie theaters. And by March 1919, over 15,000 people in Philadelphia had lost their lives and it just started with a protest. There's nothing new under the sun. People were protesting 100 years ago. St. Louis, Missouri was a little different. I chose St. Louis because it's close to us. Schools and movie theaters were closed and public gatherings were banned. Consequentially, the peak mortality rate in St. Louis was just one-eighth of what happened in Philadelphia during their death rate peak. And in San Francisco, people were being fined $5 in 1920. That's a lot of money or being found on the streets without wearing a mask in public. By the summer of 1919, as scientists and doctors were gathering together, trying to find a cure for the flu, it disappeared before they could even come up with a cure. By 1920, the pandemic came to an end. How did it come to an end? Those infected by it just died off, and the others developed immunity. Nobody was vaccinated. Pharmaceutical companies work hard around the clock to come up with a vaccine, but they were too late. The virus disappeared. No vaccinations were ever given. 
But when you think about the death toll, the death toll is estimated to be between 17 to 50 million and as possibly high as 100 million. And because they didn't have a world connected like ours today, these numbers came in years later. So the estimations could be anywhere between 17 and 100 million. Nobody really, really knows. But it was referred to as the deadliest pandemic in history. The wise man said it best. That which has been is what will be, and that which is done is what will be done. And there is what? Nothing new under the sun. But the fact is, we don't live in a 1920s kind of world. Our world is quite different. The differences are so vast that it would be exhaustive and useless, Will, to try to talk about how different our world is. But there are some lessons we could learn. So I'm going to give you four lessons that we could remember that we can take from 1920 and 2020. The first lesson is Psalms 146, verse 3. These are four points I came up with. I'm sure that you may be able to come up with more. But the first thing I came up with when we look at what kind of year we had, don't allow your trust to be invested in any man. Invested in God alone. Psalm 146, verse 3. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in which there is no help. If you need help, let God give you your help. Because men make promises, but they can't keep them. But only God can keep the promises he has made. I think about Pharaoh in Exodus 5 and verse 2. When Pharaoh thought himself too great to listen to God's voice, he said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice so that I would let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. He said, I'm not letting anybody go. Who is God that I should obey his voice? And I think about that. Jay, God freed Israel in spite of Pharaoh. And you know what? Pharaoh's dead, but God is still alive. Nebuchadnezzar tried to barbecue the Hebrews and was forced to honor God anyway, right? Haman tried to kill the servant of the Lord and was hung on the gallows he built for his enemy. God is in control all the time. Can you say amen? That's why David the psalmist said in Psalm 56, verse 11, in God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? Somebody said they're going to give you a vaccine with traces in it. They might. They're going to try to alter your DNA. They might. They're going to track you wherever you went. They're already doing that. <laughs> if you think you're not, if you think you could get rid of your cell phone and disappear, too late. They already know everything about you. What you buy at Kroger, what you buy at Walmart, what you buy at Best Buy, what you buy online, what you do on Facebook. Somebody said, I'm disconnecting from Facebook. Too late. <laughs> they already know enough about you. Now they want to know more. I don't understand that. First thing is, don't put your trust in anybody, only put your trust in the Lord. Second thing is, the only peace that we will have is if we keep our eyes on Jesus. I think we ought to go to 2020 being unified. 2021, thank you, sweetheart. Go to 2021 being unified. Can you say amen? Can we go into 2021 not Democrats or Republicans, but Christians? Is that all right? Can we go into 2021 not being right or left, but being center, the man in the middle? The devil wants to divide us. But we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. He said in John 14, 27, 
Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. And then he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now I'm informed, and people said, there's nothing wrong with being informed, I'm an information. I, I see, sometimes I read too much. Sometimes, Kevin, we learn too much on the internet to even be sane. Yeah, we're in the great reset. We're in the build back better. And the whole world is going to coalesce together and eventually bring in the Sunday law. All that's true. But brethren, Jesus says, knowing all that, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, Jonathan. It's going to happen politically, religiously, and economically. It's going to happen. But God is still in control. That's why I read Isaiah 40, verse 13 to 15. The worlds are counted like small dust. Look at that. I, I kind of overlooked that. But let's look at that again. Isaiah 40, verse 13 to 15. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or, or as his counselor taught him? With whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are a drop as a drop in a bucket and are counted as small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the aisles as a very little thing. That's God. That's God. So is America safe? <laughs> I can be safe in spite of America. The Lord didn't say to the, to the apostles, you'll be safe. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But I, you, your peace is going to be in me. Your peace is going to be in me. But many fail to realize that God's plan is the only plan that counts. Psalm 33, verse 10. God said it again. Men are making plans. I know they're making plans. And some people say, we can trust this doctor, but we can't trust that doctor but we can't trust that doctor. We can trust this doctor. I don't trust any doctor. I trust the Lord. David, the psalmist says in Psalm 33, 10, the, Lord's bring, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes plans. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. So they're planning to do stuff, and God is saying, I see what you're writing down, but have you read what I wrote down? Number three, the, 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 other, the other lesson we can take from 2020 is the government of God will never be voted out. Amen? Daniel 2.44, that's why it's important for us to know. Daniel 2.44, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand for how long? Forever. Let me, let me add something here. One of the dangers, one writer said, let me see if I could find that here. One writer made this statement. I copied it the other day, and I want to share this with you. Amazing statement that he made. How does that happen? Okay, let's go back to, uh, hmm, okay, let me close that out and open up photos one more time. Wonderful, here it is. Here's the statement. The most, dangerous th the most dangerous thing you can think as a Christian 
is to think that you know exactly what you're doing. Because once you do that, you stop looking around for ways to do it God's way. You become blind to the possibilities. One of the dangers we face as Christians is hearing the word Jesus is, hearing the phrase, Jesus is coming soon. How many times have you heard that? When you get tired of hearing it, when you grow weary in hearing it, he's going to come. When you get tired of saying, I love the Lord, I trust his word, brethren, do not be weary in doing well, for in due time you will reap if you do not faint. I said to someone this week, don't let the name of Jesus become a name that you lose its relevance for. Don't let the coming of the Lord, that phrase, mean nothing to you. Let it mean more to you now than it did last year. Because God has an administration. His government is not subject to the dictates of man. God does not need a Congress or a Senate to give him majority rule. God is God all by himself. God is the Supreme Court. He is the one to whom all must give an account. First Timothy 1 and verse 17. Look at how the Apostle Paul told his protege Timothy. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Then he says, Amen. And the last thing, and the last thing, and this is a good one. I said, Lord, give me four. And I was about to write something else down, and the Lord made me erase it. He said, this is the one you need to write down. The only news network that you can trust is written in God's word. Joe, I didn't get many amens on that. I didn't hear you say amen. <laughs> the only news that we can trust is found in God's word. Everybody else has an ulterior motive. If you don't think so, it's time to wake up. The only news that we can trust is found in God's word. 1 Samuel twenty-two thirty-one. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all of those who trust in him. Let's go to 2021, trusting in God's word. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Brethren, soon and very soon, Jesus is coming. Do you believe that? If you don't believe it, this world can't offer you a second option. It can't give you anything you need. And that's why Paul says, one day every government, every agency, every person, every power player, everybody is going to be compelled to bow before the great king of the universe. As he says in Philippians 2 verse 10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So what are those four lessons? The only peace that you'll have, do not allow your trust to be invested in anybody but Christ. The only peace that we'll have is if we keep our eyes on Jesus. God's government will never be voted out. The only news that can be trusted is found in God's word. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, 
I'm getting older. I think we can all say that. The young people don't realize it yet. But for those of us who have some decades behind us, we're saying, Father, we have been around and we have seen a lot. But help us not to lose sight of you and the picture of all the things we see. Help us not to turn our eyes away from you. Give us the willingness to look away from the, <clears throat> from the difficulties of the world to the one who alone has the solution to the problems of this crazy society. Give us a peace that passes any explanation. So today, as we partake of this communion service, Lord, speak to our hearts, speak through our hearts, and calibrate our eyes to the horizon from which our Savior is soon to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.